0: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1070. If you uh, head over to ID10T.com, which is a website uh, that may be related to this very podcast, we actually created some new shirts uh, just uh, during the quarantine, because why not? They're Walking Dead related shirts. Um, One of them is uh, we made a, a logo for the Hilltop AV Club, which Eugene was the president and founding member of um if you were up on the show uh, this isn't given too much away you had a little radio up in a room and so uh, we said definitely Eugene would have been president of the AV club so therefore Hilltop AV club shirts so we made one and then another one i don't want to spoil anything there is a character on the show that was possibly in a band before the apocalypse and so we made a shirt for like a concert shirt for that band if you know what i'm talking about good for you hop on over if you don't know what i'm talking about maybe don't go there because it might spoil something um and then catch up because there's bloody a time Ah, oh, time is where we're, we're We're wealthy with time right now (laughs) to do stuff. On that tip, uh, I'm going to say this every episode. I sincerely hope you're doing okay. I really, really, really do. And maybe sometimes you just need to hear someone say, uh, we are going to get through this. So I'm telling you, we are going to get through this. So sending you virtual hugs right now. The ID10T community, events at ID10T.com for the corkboard to promote a thing that you made or something that you like that uh, you want to share with the world. like. Jason who says, I'm a long time listener from the UK and fan that's used this podcast as a source of inspiration, motivation, and reflection many times over the years. Side note, thank you, Jason. So I've used my lockdown as an opportunity to make a thing, as it were, and create a new YouTube series called Couch Potato Playlist. It would mean the world to me if you could share it on the ID10T Community Corkboard as I've loved to connect with my fellow geeks. Mission accomplished, Jason. So... If you like a light sprinkling of analysis with your reviews and recommendations, all done in an earthy British accent, then Couch Potato Playlist is the new YouTube series for you. Tune in every week, Thursday, as I look at a different film, game, and TV series. Some of my picks may be new to you, or you may know them and love them already, but either way, I hope to give you some inspiration to try something new or revisit an old classic. Films featured uh, Return to Oz, Spirited Away, TV shows like The Good Place, Castlevania, video games like Castle Crushers and uh, Dead's Inside... Newest episode is focusing on superheroes and features One Punch Man Season 1, Marvel Spider-Man on the PS4, and Birdman. Well done, Jason. It's a couch potato playlist. Just search for it on the YouTubes. You can get your thing mentioned uh, if you uh, email events at id10t.com. And uh, I really have been... Excited and impressed by the the stream of things that people are making with this time that they're getting uh, during the quarantine. You know what? We can't really control at all the, the quarantine or what's going on, but we do have some options about what we do with that time. Obviously not entirely. Some people have a lot of responsibilities, things to do. But we can, to a degree, kind of control what we focus on and what we do with that time. So great job, Jason, and great job out there if you're doing that as well. Uh, This episode is Dennis Quaid, who's rad. Uh, He's just the coolest Dennis Quaid ever. He's exactly the guy that you would want him to be. Just really warm and open and honest. And I'm just going to say it. I fucking love you, Dennis Quaid. I fucking love you, man. Also, like, insanely talented. Like, plays multiple instruments. Um, you know, is one of these guys that is just kind of good at everything he picks up, which is why I'm excited that he has started a podcast called The Renaissance, which is a fantastic name. And it's really just sort of an exploration of uh, the stuff that he's into and people that he's interested in sort of philosophy and deep diving and just kind of having these these great, these great conversations. And I always love when someone who's had such an incredible career and life like Dennis decides to kind of like open up the doors and, uh, and deep dive into stuff like that. So, uh, check it out. The Dennis available wherever podcasts are. And I just uh, really, 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 really thank Dennis Quaid for being again, such a fantastic guest uh in this episode of the id10t podcast which is episode number 1070 and now we commence with the rolling of the thing initiating id10t protocol
1: (laughs) All oh, part of the interview. <laughs> uh, long, so you've been Time doing podcast.
0: of yeah. I, well, and now you're you're in the podcast world, which is which I love. I I love when people that I never thought like would ever do a podcast decided to start a podcast.
1: Hey man, uh, I, I I had never even listened to a podcast until about two years ago, and uh, uh when. uh My friend, and now uh, partner, uh, Jared Goodstadt, invited me to be a part of what turned out to be the number two music podcast last year, uh, Bear and a Banjo. Yeah. We did it with uh, T-Bone Burnett and uh, Bob Dylan and Pooh Bear. It was like a true fiction of American music, you know, told through these nefarious two characters, Bear and a Banjo. And I had such a blast doing it. And kind of realized a lot so many possibilities involved in it that I uh you know I'm uh, I thought I was a podcast pioneer but you've been doing this since 2011
0: 2010 wow yeah yeah it's been a decade um <laughs> it, it and there were even guys you know doing it like five years before that like Ricky Gervais did them early on you know my friend Jimmy Pardo has been doing it mm. forever like the, it, it really wasn't until uh, Apple created, like, the podcast tab on iTunes. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, podcast. Like, before it was, like, ham radio. Like, you had to have these very specific <laughs> players. You had to convert audio. It was a big pain in the balls. And so it was yeah. really really just, like, a nerdly pursuit. But Apple kind of,
1: like, leveled the playing field for everyone. And, and it's yeah, it's been a thing. So... Yeah, it's, it's it's really quite something another art form. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um the way that is it's exploding now of when AM radio switched over to FM radio as being like the, the you know the band of choice that people listen to music on. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't remember that. But I would you know but you know, back in like it was the late sixties, early seventies that you know, uh, as far as music, you couldn't have a song on, on the air longer than I, than I think two minutes and 40 seconds or they would be cut off because of commercial play. Oh, yeah. I these bands like The Doors and, and who were, you know, had, you know, songs that went on for like seven minutes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, FM radio was basically, uh, you know, college radio stations back then. Yeah. And, you know, no, nobody listened to it was sort of like public broadcasting. And they really just started taking over because they would play, you know, the complete side of Inagata Vida, the whole thing with commercial interruption. Uh, well, and the a choice. Yeah, I remember that. I mean,
0: my dad, um my everyone, everyone listening to the podcast has heard this a million times, but my dad was a professional bowler, so I grew up on the in the pro bowlers. Really? Season, and my I dad hated.
1: My was he ever like on the on Wide World of Sports? Oh yeah, my dad was on. Well, I my, definitely saw it.
0: Yeah, he was on in the '60s. He was on a show called Championship Bowling all the time, and then that rolled into Wide World of Sports. And I was named after Chris Schenkel, who was the announcer for bowling. Really,
1: well, and. I, definitely saw him
0: yeah so he hated to fly i
1: I was i was an avid bowler like really oh yeah that you know my first like uh i was bowling like i think i had an average of like 215 or something like that
0: that does not surprise me because you seem to be good at pretty much everything you put your hands on and bowling was one of those things that everyone did at a certain time it was like a weirdly respected sport and then something happened in the 70s and it kind of took a little bit of a it kind of did. My dad retired in like 75 or 76 or something but um he hated to fly so we used to drive everywhere so we'd be on these long stretches of road and that AM radio sound reminds me so much of my childhood because uh. before satellite radio before there were a lot of metropolitan areas you would just have these long stretches of that that really thin sounding AM broadcast. And it it just brings back so much memories for me. Um, I I, I appreciate what you're saying about how podcasting has sort of changed the way that entertainment is being done. And you've been, I'm curious to hear from your point of view, we became shorter and shorter form, kind of like what you were saying, do you appreciate the longer form? you must appreciate the longer form conversations because you do press junkets and it's like oh I have like four minutes with each person and I get the same five questions,
1: and I don't really get to talk I agree with that sometimes to tell you the truth because you know if you I, i've I've been in situations like for press junkets on movies where I literally have done like eighty eighty five of them and one day you know they they bring everybody uh from around the country uh, you know uh, from the, all those television stations to you know, the Four Seasons Hotel, you sit in a chair and they 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 come in and you do the same five questions. And, uh, and I, I never understood why I couldn't just do a press conference, but they want you to feel like you're at their station, just do, doing their interview. And you know, I get it. Everybody, everybody has their own thing to do. But the, as far as the long form, I really um, it, it's at least it doesn't put limits on. It. On something where you might be able to get something else right yeah
0: Yeah. and also
1: bore the hell out of everybody
0: (laughs) no I don't think so because I I think what it's really done is it's allowed I think it's I think podcasting has humanized a lot of people that we are used to seeing like two-dimensionally right and not and not really understanding really getting a sense of who they are and it feels like this sort of the main difference between what it means to be a public figure in today's world versus like the eighties or, mm-hmm. or even the nineties is that you, there was a separation between performers and the audience back then. Cause there just wasn't a real outlet to them. And now it sort of feels like everything's just out on the table now. So I think people like this cause it's like dropping into a conversation with someone that they yeah.
1: like. Well, there has been a you know, thing to, that there has been a loss of uh, a mystery a bit with that, which I think, you know, Hollywood used to really rely on. And, and uh, but, you know, those the, with social media and uh, uh, there's just, uh, that's not possible these days. So you have to kind of uh, just uh, create what, uh, what, you, what you can, you know, it's the way of the world. And uh, I like to have people on, who don't necessarily have something to sell uh, mm-hmm. as well. You know, I think, and that's, that's where I think, again, what you see mostly on television and, and in other medias, it's usually a movie coming out and, uh, you don't really get to really learn about that person outside of the product that they're selling at the time. And look at me, cause I'm kind of on here selling audio up <laughs> new podcast I mean,
0: in a way, but, but what's, what's fun about it. And, Early on, there was a little bit of a challenge convincing PR teams like, well, yes, we're not going to necessarily, we may not talk about the project as much because people can get that with junkets, but because Mm. someone will listen and really appreciate this person as a human being, they will in turn then go seek out more of their. you know, like it creates a relationship. But you said something which kind of, I'm curious to hear your take on it would you and this is going back a bit but would you prefer that people go see a movie like you know a long time ago like great balls of fire would you would you appreciate oh i want to go see this movie by jerry lee lewis or i want to see dennis Quaid as jerry lee lewis you know like where people know who you are playing well, I, a
1: character well uh you're always you're always you're always going to see well Say, but, the, but like my my here, Marlon Brando. You're always watching Marlon Brando, or you're right. always watching Jack Nicholson uh, right. do that part. That's that's what makes it unique. You know, I don't think I don't think actors can ever get away from their persona. Uh, that's why they get hired. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, their persona. That's there. It's definitely a part of them.
0: Yeah, but that's that's sort of the hesitation for some actors to to do podcasts or to do a lot of press because they feel oh, like yeah, if they're, people they're, get to know me too much, then they can't they can't accept me disappearing into a role because all they see is me basically and you know with a different haircut.
1: Yeah, but I would I would beg to differ. I would say that this is your podcast persona. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your podcast? bro? have you figured it out yet? Like, how many uh, episodes have you
1: recorded? Well, I'm a little bit more animated. Yeah, you know, when I'm doing a podcast because I want to keep everything moving along here. Yeah. Uh, instead of just slubbing out on the couch. <laughs>
0: how many episodes have you done?
1: Uh, I've done like uh, I think eight or nine now. That's really I've I've had a very lucky life. Uh, Chris, you know, the things I've gotten to do as you know, because I'm an actor and uh, being well known, and you know, I get a part The research has always been the most uh kind of fun and exciting part of me, uh, of, of, of acting, uh, especially playing real people, like when I played Gordo Cooper, who was you know, one of the original seven astronauts, yeah. for or Jimmy Morris in the rookie, or uh, Bill Clinton, uh, uh. In, in a film I did with uh, uh, about him and it's the research of you know finding out about that person and I get to go in to a lot of through a lot of doors that say authorized personnel only mm-hmm. uh, and uh, really kind of get to know something like the right stuff I I met Gordo, Gordo he lived 3 miles from me here and I and uh I got my pilot's license you know played, uh doing that movie because I like to delve into you know, everything that it's about and, and you have time to do it. And, uh, so I kind of bring that to, to, to the podcast, you know? And so I have <clears throat> been tapping into people that have been in my life like that, that, that have entered my life. Like I had Jimmy Morris on, who was the real rookie, uh, from, from that movie, uh, to really, you know, just get a little bit deeper into, into his personality and in his life, and and just talk about things. And it's, I guess, it's also kind of like giving of myself on, on the podcast, and, you know, the audience also learning more about me. I guess.
0: Yeah, and you learn about yourself too. <laughs> yeah. As, as reflective these other people, so you've kind of been doing a version of this for a long time. Because if you're if you're researching roles, if you're yeah. interviewing, if you're getting to know people you're really kind of unearthing all of that stuff that makes them tick anyway. So this was just right. an extension of what you were doing.
1: I've always been interested in what makes people tick. I think that's, that's, uh, that's why i have so attracted, been attracted to acting. In fact, so, so I brought that research process to, um, to the podcast.
0: And it feels like, <clears throat> you have a lot of energy because you do a lot of things and kind of what I was hinting at with your bowling is that you do a lot of things really well. Do you, are are you able to single-mindedly focus on something? So like, you know, oh, I'm going to get my pilot's license. Now I'm just all about that right now. Okay. I got that. Once you get the license, are you still passionate about it or did you like achieve the goal and you kind of move on?
1: Well, with the pilot's license, I, I, you know, I got I got my license during the making of the film, but then I continued on with it right up to Jets. So, you know, so it takes time to do all that stuff. I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I guess I, I think I have ADHD for sure because uh, I was I was kind of an average student. But if I was if I find an interest in something, I can really focus on on that thing. And even if I'm not naturally good at it, I will work like a dog to at, at least get there, reasonably get there.
0: Yeah, and what's sort of fun about that is that when you look back now, you have this amazing mosaic of all these different things that you've gotten to learn and experience that maybe came because of your acting career, but it almost sounds like... <laughs> Yeah, the acting career is sort of the center of this pinwheel that has created this like you know university of life course that you've been taking for all these. Yeah, years. definitely, it's because of the acting
1: career because you know it's just learning about what makes uh, people tick and so you to kind of step into the shoes of of all these different lives and different kind of of uh, you know of some really kind of exciting people you know, like Doc Holliday or uh, you know even though he isn't around you know you really kind of. Delve into that, and you—you you, like, I lost weight. I lost like forty-five pounds Yeah. To play Mock Holiday because uh, he had tuberculosis, and uh, so—and I found that once I got down to a, like one hundred and thirty-eight pounds for fat, <laughs> I kind of realized why he was the way he was. Right, <laughs> it was pretty cantankerous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you ever get to meet Marlon Brando?
1: Yeah, I met Marlon Brando on uh, actually the very first movie set I was on. I was just out in L.A. for like three months, and my brother was doing the Missouri Brakes. Uh-huh. And he, that was up in Montana, and he wanted his car up there, so I drove his, drove the car up there, and I wound up staying for three months. And so my very first movie set, I'm watching Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson you know, just at bad. work. So they're great education. But Marlon, you know, it was – an Idle and they, uh, as, he said, we the as time went on, about second month, <clears throat> uh, second month, the the Marlon had to play the mandolin in this in this one scene, and he didn't play mandolin. And they said, uh, "Hey, anybody here uh, know how to play the mandolin?" And I went, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know how to play it." I did not know how to play. <laughs> the
0: mandolin. But uh, when Marlon Brando comes calling, you learn.
1: Well, uh, you know, I play guitar, so I, I just I went out to. To, to the music store there in Montana and got, you know, a book of mandolin chords oh my God. and, you know, like three of them, all I need. And so next thing you know, I'm like an, uh, two hours in, in Marlon's trailer.
0: Oh my God.
1: You know, and, and, uh, I, I, God, I was so nervous. I, I can I barely speak, but it, it was just fascinating and just, uh, just a, He's a wonderful, wonderfully sweet man, too, as well.
0: What is he saying there, to you when you're
1: always, sitting in the trailer? Was always, was like, he was a genius, yes. But, you know, uh, there, he was just really playing himself, mostly. You know, he just happens to be very interesting. <laughs> you
0: know, was he, so you say he's playing himself. Does that mean that he understood that there was a character of Marlon? Oh, you mean he was playing himself in movies?
1: And he just happened to be really good at that. You're basically playing yourself. Yeah. Uh, Because the question is always, what would I do if I were that character? Yeah. In that situation? Yeah.
0: But do you think he was, because obviously he seemed, that was a period of time where when you were that famous, it could really, I mean, it still can today, but I feel like we're, you know, we have much better understanding about therapy and community, but you could really just, evolve into this weird little isolated bubble uh, yeah. where you didn't really understand or connect with other people and no one was really there to help you out. And I feel like that could really have fucked with a
1: lot of people's heads. Yeah, but you could still get into that isolated bubble even, even today. But, but uh, Mar- you know, Mar- uh it's, uh, he was, you know, are you talking about that he was eccentric eccentric yeah Well, yeah yeah i guess he was eccentric yeah he had the time to be
0: (laughs) (laughs) now everyone has the time to be eccentric
1: now we well if if you have time and if you have money i think most of us would wind up being eccentric because we would go towards those things that only we like to do
0: yeah, but that's an interesting idea though because it is, I do think that in as much as people daydream and fantasize like, oh, I wish I had all the freedom in the world. I wish I had all the money in the world. I wish I, we really need structure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we need to be tethered to something. Right. Because otherwise you just spin out of control.
1: Well, you mean like during this time that we've been quarantined. Yeah. I think a lot of people, this is the big lesson that I think we've all learned is like, who are we? Uh, really, when you strip away well, we used to pray the job and the routine and you are, you know, you're quarantined and you're with you're with people or you're alone or whatever, but you really, it, it, the big questions really, really come into play. Yeah. Don't you think?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, because in as much as we are um, sort of, I mean, I don't want to use the term imprisoned, but in as much as we are like, you know, staying at home and not doing the things that we normally do in the course of a day. There is this ultimate internal freedom where we really have to, you know, unless we can distract ourselves 24-7, really have to sit with ourselves and find out who am I, what do I like, do I like me, should I make changes? I mean, there I've been saying there are parts of this that I think could actually be beneficial if if given the opportunity to really explore those. Obviously some people have situations where they're not able to do that. Um, if they have chaotic households or if they're in the medical profession and they're, they're but still the there. truth comes
1: out. Yeah. You know, during times of like stress and crisis like this, it you know, the, you really find out about people and you find out about yourself. Yeah. You know, like when I like to be at a foxhole with myself, are you the kind of person that I would like, that I would, uh, would, would, Want to be in a foxhole with, or uh, what? What are the other things that really interest me in, in my life? You know, that you discover things about yourself, or uh, all those things that you never had the time to do, and now you do. And whether you do them or not says something about yourself, right? Uh, you know, and uh, you know, the, the fact of the world has been going along since the. the the Industrial Revolution we're talking about the early 1800s, you know just getting faster and faster and faster, and all of a sudden everything came to a dead stop and uh, it's a very interesting time we live in. I, I, I was
0: always really because I think it was Cooper it's been a minute since I've seen the right stuff, but wasn't it wasn't it Cooper who when they're doing the testing, they're doing like isolation testing or something and the one right. guy flips the fuck out and Cooper' right. cool as a cucumber. Right. Even growing up as someone who was a very anxious kid, I was fascinated by that and jealous. I'm like, how does someone just sit there and not lose their fucking mind, you know, when they're forced to... And But Cooper's just like,
1: you know. That was Cooper, man. That's why they were chosen. And, uh, you know, I myself am not like that Cooper. Kind of <laughs> 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 but I play one in the movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that must give you a chance to kind of explore that stuff too right the qualities that maybe you want or the qualities that inter- that, that are like really fascinating to you do you do you do you is this too stupid to ask a question like do you try to extract positive qualities from characters and explore them more and absorb them or do you not or,
1: negative, or negative ones you know that that those we all have those equalities all within us, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's a little bit like <clears throat> when we were kids, we would play all kinds of games, you know, which would be hide and seek, which would turn into war or capture the flag or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, and you would have these imaginings of yourself, uh, in, in that situation. Or like, let's, let's say <clears throat> I went out for the football team when I, you know, in high school. Because it was, I grew up in Texas, and it was just that's what you did—you mm-hmm. right out for the football team. And I, I, you know, I could catch the ball pretty good, but uh, they just laughed me off the field because really? one I was too small. I was a late bloomer, and I really, I really didn't like getting hit. I just didn't like getting my bell rung like that, you know. And so that's that's how I wound up in the drama room. In fact, because you know, didn't make didn't make the football team. And, and, uh, so I wound up in drama and, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, along c- came my thirties and, you know, I did everybody's all American. I did, you know, you know <laughs> I did, did the rookie I did uh, any given Sunday. i did, you know, all of a sudden I'm playing the quarterback and, and, and the, the pitcher and, uh, and <clears throat> now I do it, but I do get real situations. It, yeah. And, uh, like in the rookie, you know, I, actually pitched in a game at at Texas stadium. And it was so that, that, uh, that experience. And, uh, so yeah, you, you, you get to kind of live out those kind of like fantasy, uh, things about your, that you, you've always dreamed of in your life. You know what I mean?
0: Please tell me that you went to your high school reunion and we're like, Hey guys, it's me, Dennis Quaid. Oh, didn't you used to laugh at me when I, Oh, what are you talking about? Oh, you're the best. You know, like you, please tell me that you experienced that a little bit.
1: Uh, well, I, I uh, don't know if it was exactly. I went to my 10 year. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, I had my five friends that I, that I had back then. And that's who I was really still close to. And, uh, I will kind of say I did kind of feel uh, uh, th- there were a few guys that used to be the BMOCs and, you know, and uh, r- really, really just shove it down your face, you know, but, but we're still working at the gas station.
0: So. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, don't <laughs> want to peak early. you do not want to peak in high school. I always, you know, when, when people say, oh, I don't feel like I fit in. I feel weird. I go, that's good. Go with that. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Cause you live a yeah. longer life than those four years in high school.
1: Well, I don't think it, you know, I don't think it's actually, it can be for some, for some people like oh, my, my fiance was was valedictorian of her class and valedictorian at, at, at Pepperdine or whatever. And she's still like really driven. Uh, but there, there are some people that uh, their lives peak in, you know, in uh, high school football or in, in, uh, in the chess club or whatever it is. And that's it. You know, they, they run up against, they're so used to, to, to being number one or, you know, big fish in a small pond that when they get to the big pond, they, the it's a lesson that they're not prepared to learn. Right. You know what right. I mean?
0: well, there's a certain amount of hunger that you need too. And that can come from a variety of places. It can come from feeling inadequate. It can come from like, you know, a weird experience that you had from being a kid. It can feel from just not, not really feeling like you fit in. And so there's a drive, a a curiosity, you know, it seems like curiosity has driven you a lot. And curiosity is a really amazing gift because if you're not curious about anything, you never ask questions, you don't learn anything. And you kind of just plateau. So
1: Yeah. Well, I was very lucky. Uh, see, I was like 19 and, uh, really 18. And, you know, I was in the drama department in, in, uh, in high school or whatever, but I didn't take anything seriously. I didn't know what I wanted to do really. Uh, I thought it was maybe uh, I wanted to be a veterinarian before, uh, and that I wanted to be a forest ranger, maybe <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> sort of and, uh, then, but, and I wanted to be a musician, but I was in, uh, I was when I got to college at university of Houston, and I went there because I grew up in Houston and, uh, there was this one teacher, uh, there at the University of Houston that my brother had had, his name was Cecil Pickett. And I was in his class for one week and I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And that is a real gift to be, uh, to, to get at, at, at that age, because it sends you on a course where you can focus uh, on something. Uh, And it's, it's really tough on a lot of people of not, you know, they get into their, late 20s or even into their 30s, and they still haven't found that thing that really uh, turns them on that they want to devote their life to. And, you know, they're maybe in a, in, in a humdrum job just to, to to make ends meet, but they don't really follow the passion. It's a real gift to have that. Because if you can, and I tell my kids this too, is, you know, find something that you really love to do and then figure out a way to get paid for it. And you'll have a third of your life figured out.
0: And now we take a brief pause to thank the sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, Manscaped, which, of course, is at manscaped.com. The portmanteau that suggests landscaping for the man. Now, um, this is essentially uh, grooming for your area, your gentleman's area. So uh, Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game. They have a thing called the Perfect Package 3.0, which are precision engineered tools for your man luggage. Uh, They have the new and improved lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your routine. Now, the third-generation trimmer has a cutting-edge ceramic blade. It's going to prevent manscaping accidents, which are really not fun and really not great during a quarantine. Uh, so you're also going to get uh, anti-chafing deodorant, moisturizer, all sorts of stuff to just make it all nice down there. Make it all nice down there, I think, is a good slogan for that sort of thing. All right? You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code ID10T at Manscaped dot com always use the right tools for that of that particular job it is vital thank you so much to manscaped for uh, sponsoring this episode of the id10t podcast which now we seamlessly roll back into well and the, the the beauty of the culture that we live in now is that there are so many opportunities to get paid for those kind of weird nichey things that were not it wasn't really an option like when i you know i was born in the 70s and i grew up in the 80s and you know, like there were there were standard sectors that you could work in, but it, but if you had like a weird hobby or something, it was very right. difficult to to turn that into something.
1: Yeah, like a slot car racer or something. Yeah, exactly.
0: You were just you a know? weirdo. <laughs>
1: well, you you would be probably an FM radio, uh, you know. Now. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah.
0: But it was, it was really, a, it was just such a different time. And now there are so many opportunities for people to, I mean, you know, you can work from home. It, it, like, it, like we can work through the internet. It's, people can be self-starters. We're, there's so much more opportunity to be entrepreneurial now. But for people who aren't sort of, who don't by kind of happy accident fall into the thing that they discover is their passion. Have, do, do you have words of wisdom for people who go, fuck, I don't know what I want to do. I, I just don't know if I like anything.
1: Well, uh, I just, like I said, what do you love to do? What do you, there's, I, everybody loves to do something. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing to, that you'll be good at, that you'll, that uh, the money will come even, and it doesn't really matter about the money. It, it's the money will come. What is it that you originally wanted to do?
0: Me personally, Um, I'm I'm a stand-up and I always wanted to do stand-up. In the 70s, when Steve Martin started appearing on SNL, my parents noticed that I was very fixated on him. And so they started buying me Steve Martin albums. And they they just, my parents were really cool. They had no content filter. So they just bought me like Richard Pryor albums. And my dad would record Sam Kinison on HBO. And so they just fed that. And then, you know, I ended up becoming a stand-up, but then... You know, you, could, you can do a lot of things with stand-up. You can host television shows. You can act. You can do podcasts. You can do whatever. So right. that was it. Like, I knew from age, like, five that that's what
1: I wanted to do. Wow. That's...
0: But I was lucky that I had cool parents, you know? like Yeah.
1: I, yeah. They fed that. Were were your parents... It so was a natural thing for you to do, but what, what did your parents do? What, what was your, your dad's job? My dad
0: was a bowler, and my dad... My dad... You know, yeah, that's full, full time. Full time. Yeah, my dad's like a Hall of Fame bowler. Like he's one of the wow. greatest bowlers in the history of the sport. Yeah. And so he retired at 34, and then he opened a bowling center in 1981. That's still in Memphis. He died in 2013, but it's still there.
1: Yeah, stepmom
0: runs it. And his thing was like, look, I don't care if you go into bowling, but I pursued the thing that I loved because I had a very oppressive father. So I left home yeah. and pursued the thing. And so I. In turn, want to support you, whatever you want to do that makes you happy. My mom was
1: the same. That's fantastic. Yeah, my uh, my parents were basically the same too. That they they sort of encouraged and cultivated my interest. Yeah, that if I had interest interest in something, you know, I didn't know how to go out and get guitar lessons or whatever. You know, they would they would do that for me and uh, <clears throat> try to do the same thing with uh, with my kids. Like with Jack, it was just uh jack who's 27 he's uh you know he's an actor and he's, like, I know
0: doing, who he is. the boys doing, is a fucking great show
1: great yeah and uh uh you know it was just so natural they I had been from the time he was like four he had like a video camera in his hand that was back when you had to kind of like put them on your shoulders yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, you know the, the video cameras that they had it was just a natural thing they just kind of cultivated and uh, I guess too, you know his parents, his mom was Meg Ryan and uh, me, but it was didn't push him towards anything. It was really just kind of seeing where he uh, it was just his his nature. Yeah. I think we're, we're all I think we're all sort of born with an innate nature that like a predisposition from, from even from the, from our parents. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but that that also can – I always wonder – I mean, I think a lot about the nature-nurture argument. It's like, oh, I know my dad's family line there was a history of, like, anxiety and depression, but the older generations just drank through it, you know, because they just didn't know any better. Uh, so, you know, does that mean that that was something that I had to contend with genetically, or was it, like, just – conditioning conditioning like generational conditioning and, and the answer is i don't know but with any of the good stuff comes a bit of the the challenging stuff too
1: yeah and the, the ultimate aim of, of things like that because you know i had things but you know i learned about what not to do as well from my dad yeah uh, and uh it's is breaking the chain of that yeah yeah But sometimes struggles, you know, you struggle with things and my dad struggle with things and and uh, there's more tools.
0: Yeah. But not everyone necessarily has the awareness to sort of see how to break the chain. You know, it's like they, some people, you can either break the chain or you can just re-express the same, the same things. And, and that, that's also, that, that also comes, I think, from being able to step outside yourself and ask questions. But as a performer, would you say that because you're constantly studying the nature of things that it helped create kind of a third person awareness of who you are as well. Like you could see yourself a little bit from the outside and get to know yourself on that level.
1: I I would love to say yes. And uh, that's true to some extent. (laughs) (laughs) There's others around me who don't. (laughs) The brutal truth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's you know. I mean, it. I always kind of wonder what, like, how how much you should go internal. I think it's good to go internal to a certain degree. Yeah, but if you spend too much time in there, I feel like you can self-involvement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: connected yeah. from the world. Yeah. To tell you the truth, not my, I don't have that many friends of, who are actors. That's probably helpful. Because I to me actors are so self-involved and I I know I'm I'm guilty of it you know, myself probably, but it's uh it's really hard to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh but it uh you know I I've I've had people I my for friends are from, you know, all walks of life, basically. Yeah. And um, you kind of, re- I think you you see your own reflection in the people that you're closest to.
0: And if you had a lot of the same friends for like decades, is it is it that kind of like long, the long? Well,
1: all your if, you know, if, you, if you like, how, you know, I had a cocaine yeah. addiction for like uh, ten years, and uh, you know, most of my friends were <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. So you know, because that's what you seek out. So they're yeah your reflection
0: yeah but i it was funny i i i was i knew about that and i think you did i think there was like didn't you talk about it on larry king a long time ago where you're like yeah it was the 60s every like everyone thought it was like coffee yeah
1: yeah, right yeah uh it was oh yeah people magazine i remember had a you know devoted a whole issue to to cocaine. This was like in the mid-70s and, it, you know, about how doctors were saying it was, wasn't addictive and it was just, you know, kind of a fun thing and what was the big deal about it. And then, you know, it took John Belushi dying. That's when everybody woke up.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that was one of the catalysts.
1: Yeah, that, that, that was that was the a, a, a big catalyst to it. It was when he went out. Yeah, that The party was over. It was sort of like the ultimate of uh, you know the concert where the Rolling Stones played yeah. in and uh, that's what John Belushi was to that that kind of the, the 70s party generation.
0: Yeah but in the 70s because I think you quit in the 70s or the
1: well, I quit at 1990
0: 1990. And so yeah. what was it at that point that made you decide like, Oh, I don't think this is a great choice anymore. Like I'm, I'm a, cause I've been sober for 16 years. I just, uh-huh. I was a drinker. And I'm always curious to hear like, what is, what's the thing that kind of makes people go, Oh, I, I, cause you really have to want to quit to quit. You have to really, yeah. or it doesn't, it's difficult to make it stick. Yeah, You didn't want
1: to quit, but you, you, you still wind up doing the same cycle over and over I get that uh, it was uh, a it's kind of a grace that I was uh, I had one of those white light experiences. I had a band called the eclectics and the very night that we got a record deal. In fact, we broke up in the dressing room backstage and it was because of me. Really. I was, I was a little, I was just kind of out of control. you know it was like what I consider out of, out of control. I mean, you know, I hear a lot of lot like, uh more like horror stories you know uh, of other people that you know I, well at least i'm not like that but I was at I was out of control I went home and i uh I went home and I had one of those white light experiences where I saw myself either dead or in jail or losing everything that I'd ever worked for in life and for some reason it really sunk in that night. And, uh, the next day I went into rehab 28 days and I was lucky I got it the first time.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. But I also wonder like,
1: you know, four years of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, depression and, uh, and, uh, you know, just wanting to go back there and feeling uncool and, uh, you know, you when you when you finally do make the decision to like, I don't know, you tell me if you had this experience, like when you got sober, you expect things to get better, mm-hmm. as far as you're at, and a lot of times they get worse, you know that it that uh for one reason or another that uh, it you know takes a quite a while to to come back.
0: Yeah, because I think getting sober is the first step in you you just have to like clear off the table so you can start doing the work to and also you, you do arrest a lot of your emotional development when you're on, on substances all the time so it's not like your problems are going away you're just numbing yourself to them so you have to then kind of deal with them and i think that's why the like we'll just deal with shit a day at a time because if you thought about Oh, this is going to be like a four-year journey. You go, well, I don't want to do that.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah. No, no, I'm not set up for that.
0: But when you get to the other side of it, you you realize, oh, okay, well, that was worth it because now I, you know, like I feel so much more, you know, grounded, or I feel like myself. But you have to like, re- did it take you about four years to kind of establish the new, the new normal?
1: Yeah, for one thing, you know, your nerve endings that. They- uh need to heal up and uh you know the uh your routine is completely different and uh it's 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 kind of like a I always say you got to really got to be careful what you ask God for because he just might give it to you. Mhm. And it's it's never what you expect.
0: Oh, yes.
1: You know, it's it's never what you expect. I
0: love I love that you said that because I I had a real, I had a really strong thought of that a couple of days ago that there are no, our brains tend to simplify things. If you're in, you know, in in a situation that you don't love, you go, if I only had this, if I only had more this or more money or that, or if I dated that person, or if I had that thing or that job, your brain doesn't really understand that there aren't simple solutions like everything comes with everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of things that go with that, that, uh, yeah, that, that, that that, change it, yeah, fundamentally change everything.
0: Do you need things to be very black and white, or are you okay a little bit in the chaos?
1: The older I get, the more I realize that they're, <laughs> the entire life is gray. <laughs> the shades <chains laughs> are gray going to black. And you can be both things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? that uh, I used to think, well, I either have to be like this, or I have to be like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And even having the thought of kind of wanting, and when I made peace with that, things become a lot easier. It's just the day-to-day life. The struggle is, you know, you call off the war. And just allow, you're a human being, just allow yourself to, to, at least in your mind, be all those things. Right, you know, it takes away the, it takes away a lot of temptation. It takes away a lot of of uh, needless struggle, and uh, you know, uh, it's, maybe it's it's a question of of getting all o- uh, getting older or uh, and having experienced things time and time and time and time again, and you know, <laughs> finally you realize there is, there is no like definitive answer to it. It's just it's just what you do when you get up that day, you know.
0: That's a good way to think about it, too, because I think we do, in order to try to gain some semblance of control over our, our world, which, again, is an illusion. Yeah, yeah, that,
1: that is the key. We're always looking for control, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Aren't we? yeah. And Yeah. That, and that's the other thing about that's interesting about this quarantine is like, yeah, there's no control. Like, the idea, like, these ideas, you know, a year ago, if you said, oh, yeah, you know, someday pretty much the world is going to shut down and and you'd be like, are you fucking, nothing's going to be open? Fuck you. Yeah, and then we realized like, oh, it was all an illusion. The sense of control that we had was all an illusion and we have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're not okay with that.
0: <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> well, you can fight it, but it's not going to change anything.
1: It won't change anything.
0: Um, there's, I think I have about 15 minutes left with you. So I just want to, I want to cover a couple things very quickly. Number wow. one, please make a sequel to dreamscape. It's one of my favorite movies from the eighties. Wow. And I think it could be so fucking cool now. It, like now with special effects and everything I want, I would love for you to reprise that character. I don't know if you like working on that film or not, but I thought it was a fucking I great movie. So interesting
1: Because I, I did, uh, yeah. I uh, did this movie. Uh, are you, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, are you, not are you in the house alone? The, the movie, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the intruder. Yes. The intruder that just yes. came out a couple of uh, years ago uh, about a guy who sells this house to this yeah, guy. Yeah, and then he keeps kind of harassing a couple. Well, the same, that was the same writer as, as, uh, Dreamscape. What? Got to talking, and I think it would be a really great idea to do it as a streaming television show. Yes, and I could play my my own character and that I that I had, and uh, Kate Capshaw and I would have a son. Yep. that I didn't know about, and he would be the you know what was my character. I think it would be really interesting to do Return of Snake Man.
0: I maybe, oh yeah, and that that guy, uh, oh his name was uh, he's got like the most Irish yeah. name, David Patrick Kelly, yeah, that's it. David Patrick Kelly, listen, maybe three years ago I soft pitched to AMC uh Dreamscape the series I just I, I really? like, yes, because i I really feel like there's room for it now, so I don't know, I'm just I just wanted well, to flip in a out.
1: David Patrick Kelly character. Well, yeah,
0: because he's dead. He had a son somewhere, too.
1: No, but he's still alive in your dreams, man. (laughs)
0: Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to mention was that uh, around 1991, I worked at a uh, country club in Bel Air that you belong to.
1: I didn't belong to Bel Air at that time. I didn't join until 1996, but I I played there all the time.
0: I remember you, because I I worked in all the parts of the golf course, and then I was working in the parking lot when I was in college. I went to UCLA. Uh, Yeah. And I remember this really, I don't know why I remember this. I remember this really weird situation where I was on the phone. I had been in an acting class the night before when I thought I might be an actor. And I had done a scene from The Graduate the night before, and I was terrible. And I said something like, oh, yeah, uh, Dustin Hoffman was way better. I made some joke about Dustin Hoffman being – and you were standing in the parking lot, and you came over and you go, you did a scene with Dustin Hoffman? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And part of my brain, I always – I was like, what if I lied? What if I just to have a conversation with Dennis Quaid tried to pretend like, yeah, Dustin Hoffman and I, you know, like we work on scenes together. But I'll never forget how you were one of the only people in that club – who was genuinely interested in people and things. And I don't know, it was such a, it was such a refreshing, you were so personable and I always appreciated that.
1: Um, well, I just figured I I must've just figured that, you know, it was like, uh, like you, I'm sure cause you're younger than me or whatever. I must've seen myself in you like in acting class or whatever it was, or, uh, must've seen your demeanor and, and, uh, came over to you to talk to you about it or something.
0: You were very, you were very kind. I really always appreciated that because uh-huh. you, you, you really, and that's, you know, again, to anyone who is around people who work in the, in any kind of a service industry, like be nice to them. <laughs> Cause they'll never forget it. You know what I mean?
1: Like, well, I was a waiter, you know, I was a waiter. I was a bus boy. I was a door to door salesman. I was, a, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's working for a living.
0: What do you sell door to door?
1: Working there in the parking lot I was working for a living.
0: What what did you sell door to door?
1: I was a Fuller brush man.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, I I, I sold those pure Boar bristle brushes and uh, tile and grout cleaner to door uh, <laughs> to a door. Talk about getting this was, was in Houston, like in a back in the uh, early seventies, and I would even take to putting on what what I thought was an English accent back then. <laughs> <laughs> get people to stay at the door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they probably didn't know any different in Houston. Yeah, you know, never
1: meet anyone from England.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honey, there's some weird British kid at the door. Do <laughs> we need brushes? They're in our
1: front door. Come and listen to this. <laughs> you
0: know what's great about that is that you, basically as a door-to-door salesman, you were primed for the consistent rejection of the entertainment business in a way that most people oh, are
1: not. So it was great training for that. that. That's why, that's why you never know there is no wasted time in, in life at all. It's all training for something else.
0: That's a really great way to think about it. Cause I think a lot of people think, Oh, I wasted my time doing this. I wish I had done this sooner. But if you look at everything as training for the thing that you ultimately are going to become, that's a, that helps kind of accept
1: life. Yeah. Like, for instance, Chris, you, you don't know this podcast thing may be le- leading to something bigger.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, look, it could, maybe. I just like doing it. Like, I just, I have a natural curiosity for people. I like talking to people that I yeah. respect and I like, I just like connecting, but I really like to learn from, you know, like even like there, there've been like four or five things that I'm making mental notes of that you've said that I find incredibly helpful. It, it is the podcast for me is almost kind of a selfish pursuit, to be honest, because I'm just trying to learn from people who are smarter than I am. <laughs> You're
1: pretty smart yourself.
0: Well, I appreciate that. How is your, uh, are you practicing a lot of music sitting at home?
1: Yeah. i uh, in fact, uh, I've been playing piano like four or five hours a day. Nice. If I, if I can because, uh, uh, I've gone back to, uh, all the, the great balls of fire stuff which was another thing you know I played Jerry Lee Lewis and uh you know he was there on the set every day he was over my shoulder going you get it wrong son and uh, but he was also one of my teachers at the same time you know incredible generosity of that and uh but uh and you know I learned how to play a lot of that stuff you know pretty well but I've, I've kind of given myself sort of a master class in it now to I mean really sit down and and blow myself up with piano that's uh it's uh it it's an incredible instrument to play it's just uh, it, you just you can just keep going and going and going and just it, you know it just gets better and better
0: I love it I started taking lessons a year and a half ago almost and I I now I take them via FaceTime or Zoom yeah. and the thing that I really love about it is that I find it to be frustrating but very much life lesson y because the only way to get better is to put time into it mm-hmm. and to you have to do everything as slowly like there's no way to rush
1: through it. You can't yeah, slow, it. you can't play it fast.
0: What did Jerry Lee Lewis teach you about playing piano?
1: Uh, it, it, what he taught me was that it, it's uh. Especially you know with, with that kind of music, it's this hand, left hand. If you can get the left hand going, then uh, everything will take care of itself. But it's this left hand which has got to be so athletic. It's an athletic thing. Oh yeah. It's about the muscles and getting to that point where you can just keep that rhythm and 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 forever. You know, I saw him. I saw him sit at the piano when we were recording uh, for uh, the, the record, you know, the, before the, before the movie was even going, I saw him sit at the piano for 12 hours without even a bathroom break. Oh my God. Yeah. But that was like his world.
0: And do you, are you going to record, do you, do you see yourself recording like an album where you play everything? Like, are you, are you leaning toward?
1: Well, I have. I've I recorded a, a record with the sharks, you know, where I, but that was mostly guitar, but you know, I, I, the, the piano is, is in there too, but it's just, I just want to, I just want to go further with it.
0: Um, my last couple questions revolve around the 10 episodes that you've done of your podcast. I love asking people when they start a podcast, what did you think it was going to be when it started? And now how do you see it? And what have you, you know, what have you learned about podcasting? And then what have you learned life stuff that you've learned from people who've been on?
1: Um, it's, uh, you know, I thought, I thought originally it was going to be like a, sort of like an entertainment talk show, <laughs> <laughs> all it was sound. And it, it, you know, it's turned out to be really, uh, kind of a, a way to have like deep, interesting uh, conversations that, that, where I, I, I learn a lot about myself and, um, you know, uh, hopefully you know, it, it's, it's 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 really kind of scary when you start out with with something new all I know is this when, when I what it's something when I start something new if uh if I get a if I get a, a chill of fear up my spine that's probably something I should do
0: oh that's great
1: because it takes me out of my comfort zone and, and doing podcasting is, is really taken taking me out of my comfort zone to 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 to, to learn something, uh, just uh, completely, uh, completely out of my, out of my realm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a challenge and, uh, it's, uh, it's something, something I, I found. I really, I really like doing it. I just really like, like it.
0: Well, I would it, imagine. I mean, because everything that you've said kind of says to me that you do like unpacking things, you do like talking, you do like trying to understand. And I think that idea that we always have something new to learn can mm-hmm. keep you from falling into a rut,
1: you know? And like, you know, there's, there's a difference between the audio-visual experience and an audio experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you could really learn something different. And it Just being an audio experience, I, I, I guess I would refer to like the the Kennedy Nixon debates, which were the first t- uh, television debates that were on. And the people that listened to it on radio generally thought that Nixon had won the debate. The people that that uh, you know on television, Kennedy clearly won the debate. You know, it's because of the optics that go, and you you so you'll you you know we focus on people's faces and and. And uh, kind of dismiss a lot of things that they say sometimes, you know, like like when you see the pretty girl or whatever, and you you you, you know you just you, know, you talk to the face or whatever <laughs> but it, you know in audio, if it's on a telephone, it'll be different
0: yeah yeah yeah, i mean we I take video for this, but we just rip the audio out just so people can listen, but I think also people can they can consume audio. And right consume audio in more places than they can actually it's something very
1: special about the audio experience. Yeah. Well,
0: they yeah. Do. It, it allows people to feel like they're dropped in. I'm just, I'm glad you're doing it. And as someone, and the name is great. Renaissance is great because you do do a lot of things. And I do think that's a great lesson for people that you, you can constantly grow and explore and change. And you've done, you know, great dramas and great comedies. My wife and I are going to watch interspace tonight. Yeah. Uh, it, because it's been a while since I've seen it. Like, oh, I need to see that movie again. You know, like it. it,
1: it it's a fun movie. It really is. Yeah. yeah it, it didn't do well when it came out. People think it was like this big hit. But, uh, you know, it was called Innerspace. And it looked like a science fiction movie. It didn't say anything about comedy on it. And uh, it came out and went like that. But then it just, it became a classic for, for some reason or another.
0: Home video. Like people were allowed to find it, I guess. Home video and cable. People were allowed to find it. But um, I am so thankful that you're doing this podcast. I'm so thankful that you came on mine, and uh, it's a real genuine pleasure to to talk to you. It really, you know, same here, Chris. It, it, has, really been, it has been very fun and educational at the same time.
1: Well, that I, I, let's set up a time in the near future, where maybe you could come on mine. And oh, could, I absolutely will. I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna give dive you... deep into you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: boring my wife and I are like in the 6 p.m. pajama club we're like we get into bed at like you know six seven o'clock we're ready for bed you know like we're Is that I,
1: early bird special
0: totally I totally get it you know I used to make fun of old people I'm like no it makes all the sense in the world you don't want to eat too late because then you get acid reflux in the middle that like I get because I, I, <laughs> I <just, laughs> you got to pee at 3 a.m. like it's so pragmatic you know like I, I really get it um thanks for everything man and uh yeah. take care stay safe stay healthy and uh I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right man. Take Cheers. care.
0: ID 10 T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.